I was a little kid, which is the reason why I didn't play sports early on in life. I was always the smaller kid in the group. When I was uh, a 10th grader, 15 years old, I was five foot one and I was 140 pounds. And I just let that intimidate me. So I let that intimidate me. So I didn't participate in any sports uh, when I was a kid. That was Mike Haynes, 10 year NFL veteran, star wide receiver for the Falcons and Saints. His journey to the NFL is so crazy that even the movie industry would reject it as not believable. One million boys play high school football every year in America, and only about 300 players are drafted by teams in the National Football League annually. Those are some seriously long odds. On this show, we will tell you about the amazing people that have beat the odds to make it at the highest level. The first thing you need to know about Mike Haynes is that he didn't play a single organized sport until he got to college. No Pop Warner football, no rec league basketball, nothing. Haynes was born in 1965 in the inner city part of New Orleans. And I grew up in the project, uh, one of the worst projects in New Orleans. And uh, so it was more about survival for us than anything. I mean, if you made it to your 18th birthday, you did you did well in our neighborhood. My high school was probably four or five city blocks from the project. So most everybody who went to my high school lived in that area. So, I mean, either lived in the projects or in the surrounding areas. Um, all black high school, everybody who attended my school, black. For Haynes, the main family member he had to lean on for support was his mother. My mom was the, my mom was my hero. Uh, you know, in most cases, my mom was my hero. My mom uh, did everything with us, did everything for us. She was, she was the go-getter in the family. My mom worked odd jobs. My mom uh, was a, uh, she cleaned house for some folks. So there were sometimes we would go with her, but her job was to clean houses, do whatever needs to be done. And that was basically what she did. Haynes had a close friend in the neighborhood named Frank who figures prominently in his life story. Here's what Frank had to say about Mrs. Haynes. His mom was a wonderful person. Really sweet to everybody in the neighborhood. Everybody used to go to his house for everything. You know, they, they had all the games and, you know, she, she, she would feed you. Uh, it just was a hangout spot, you know, where, where you could just be comfortable and feel comfortable. And everybody was there and everybody was welcome. Haynes had his father around for his youth, but he was not a man that young Mike could count on. Uh, usually when I tell folks about my dad, I usually say he was just some dude who lived near our house because he didn't really participate in our lives. He was a, uh, I guess you would call him a functioning drunk. So he'd get drunk Monday through Friday, well, he'd get drunk Friday through Sunday, and then he'd go to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, like nothing, you know, didn't touch the stuff. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, falling down, stumbling drunk. Haynes had an older sister and a younger brother. The two boys started off close, but grew apart when they hit the teenage years. Sister's four years older than I am. My brother's 11 months younger. So my brother and I were like twins growing up. I mean, we were so close together that, you know, we dressed alike, did everything together until we were about 13 years old, which when the split happened. I had different goals and I wanted to get out of the project. He was comfortable doing what he was doing in the project, if you know what I mean. I called myself a good kid because I always, I stayed out of trouble. I did what I was supposed to do. I went to school. I loved going to school. I um, didn't do drugs. And my brother was the local drug dealer, which kind of 
I hate to say it like this, but which kind of protected me because he was the man. And so nobody really messed with me either. My brother is one of those who got in a lot of trouble, been to jail most of his life. He's, he's been shot, I think nine times and he survived, yes, go figure. So he was the, he was the local drug dealer in our neighborhood. Luckily for Haynes, his childhood friend Frank was someone he could always count on. Uh, so we went to elementary school together all the way up to college. He was an athlete. And matter of fact, he was voted uh, most athletic my senior year in high school because he, he played all sports. As Frank was developing into a sports star, young Mike never played any sport outside of street ball in the neighborhood. Streetball in the 1970s in New Orleans was somewhere between today's Sandlot football and Pop Warner. The boys scrounged gear wherever they could. Here's how Frank describes it. Oh, it was just from everywhere. It just, it just, the older guy that was with us uh, uh, got the stuff and it just, you know, they used to have a, a playground that they used to have right there, um, Lehman Park. From those games of streetball, a little glimmer of Haynes's future started to appear. I was, uh, I was a little kid, which is the reason why I didn't play sports early on in life. I was always the smaller kid in the group. When I was uh, a 10th grader, 15 years old, I was five foot one and I was 140 pounds. And I just let that intimidate me. So I let that intimidate me. So I didn't participate in any sports uh, when I was a kid. Now I did play street ball like everybody else, you know, we get together and go to the park and we play ball. So I did that. So I knew um, I was faster than most other people. I just didn't know how fast I was. In high school, playing in the NFL wasn't even a dream for Haynes. How could it be? He didn't even play varsity football. Uh, I wanted to teach and uh, I knew that you had to go to college for that, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to go to school. And I didn't, you know, NFL was the furthest thing from my mind. That, that, I mean, because I wasn't playing football, so that wasn't even a thought. Um, so I, uh, I wanted to get into, somehow get into college so I can end up teaching. Haynes finally filled out in high school, growing a foot from freshman year to graduation. By the time I graduated high school, I was six foot one, I was 175 pounds. So from 10th to 12th grade, I grew a foot and gained about 30 pounds. And that's when I started thinking about going to college. In the mid-1980s, the college recruiting process was not as advanced as today. Without game film and the internet, college coaches at small schools relied on recommendations from high school coaches they trusted for most of their recruiting, especially at the junior college level. Even though Haynes didn't play for the high school football team, the coach there still looked out for him. One of my coaches, uh, Coach Levine, who he was... Uh, he was one of the reasons why I ended up going to college. So he was, a, he was instrumental in, in, in getting me into school also because he was friends with my junior college head coach. And we had, uh, I should say, there was, when I went to junior college, there were seven kids from my high school at, at that school. So they are, uh, you know, I was real comfortable going because I had, seven other kids from my school, from my area that went there too. Haynes had no idea what the future had in store for him, but he followed his friend Frank to Eastern Arizona Junior College. Uh, my best friend Frank, who got, he got recruited there, and the idea of following him was, I'm, I'm going too. So, and then uh, the coach talked to his friend, who was the head coach at the school, and told him, I got another kid that you may be interested in, 
he hadn't played before. I think he's got a little speed. But And the coach was like, yeah, we'll give him a try. I mean, it can't hurt. The school didn't offer him anything but a chance to try out. But Haynes had good grades and was willing to bet on himself, knowing that nothing good would come of staying in New Orleans. They didn't offer me a scholarship. They invited me to walk on at the school. And they told me if I make it, then they'll talk about how I'm going to get enrolled in school. If I don't, I was on my own. And uh, my parents couldn't afford nothing but a one-way ticket to send me out to Arizona. And uh, so I packed what I had, put it in a trunk, and that's all I had. If I didn't make it, I I had no idea what I was going to do. The first day got off to a rocky start for Haynes and his buddy Frank. The first day we got there, uh, it was I guess it was a miscommunication because everybody was on on the football field with me and Mike. We was uh, just mingling around town on the bike, you know, trying to you know find our way around town. And in some kind of way, some I can't remember who it was that caught up and said, "What are y'all doing? They're, they're practice. They're running forties at practice." I'm like, "You need to get down to the field." And I'm like, "I have on regular shorts and Mike have on jeans. We're not, you, know, you gotta go. You gotta do it." The pair made it to the field eventually, but they were still in street clothes. Frank says Haynes had on jeans that first day. Even so. It didn't take long for the coaches to realize that Haynes had something no coach could teach. Speed. Blazing fast speed. On the first day of practice, all the players ran the 40-yard dash. This was the first time anyone had ever put a stopwatch on Haynes. The coach didn't believe the times that Haynes registered on the first two attempts. So he stopped practice and called over the other coaches to make sure the time was correct. So I ran my third 40. And they all comparing the times and they're looking at each other and they, they're looking at me and I'm, I'm like, okay, well, somebody tell me what's going on. And he tells me, he said, well, uh, after he measured with everybody else's clocks, he said, well, you, you ran the fastest forwards we've ever recorded here. And I had no idea what that meant. So I said, well, what were they? So he told me I ran a 427, 427, 429. And I'm thinking, okay, is that good? From that point on, they looked at me more. They didn't look at me as a walk-on anymore. They looked at what we can do with this kid. So, and that's when things changed and they started putting me more into the rotation and started looking at how I can do certain things. And uh, so they offered me a partial scholarship and with a Pell Grant, I ended up enrolling in school. The coaches knew that Haynes was fast, but they had to teach him how to play the game. Remember, he had only played in the street with his friends up until this point. He didn't even really know how to properly wear the gear. He started as a defensive back since his friend Frank played D. We went 0-9 my freshman year. And the coaches thought, well, maybe the second year, let's start putting the ball in his hands and see what we can do. Frank said the move to offense made sense right away. First time he touched the ball, he went about 96, 95, 96 yards with one shoe. He just ran out of his shoe. He just ran, and I mean, it's like, and every time he touched the ball, he sc- it was like he scored. It's like, wow. So the coaches made Haynes an offensive player permanently for that second season. So I started returning kickoffs and I started returning punts. And uh, then our then they moved me over to receiver to try to get the ball in, in my hands. I was starting running back, got hurt. Then I ended up playing the last five games at running back, and it was just hand the ball off the mic and let him run. After two years at Eastern Arizona Junior College, it was time for Haynes to move on to another school for his final two college seasons. He was recruited by a number of programs and ultimately settled on Northern Arizona, a 1AA school. 
I was the starting receiver uh, from day one, and uh, I was a I was a decent receiver. I wasn't I wasn't the best receiver on our team. I wasn't the star on our team, but I was the guy that uh, I mean, when you needed a clutch catch, you throw it to me because I was gonna catch it. Now I was big on uh, kickoff returns and punt returns. That was that was the reason why the NFL came calling. To be honest with you because I was I was huge on punt returns and kickoff returns. And with my speed, they love that. Northern Arizona University of the 1980s had an amazing collection of assistant coaches, three of whom would go on to become head coaches in the NFL. Andy Reid, Brad Childress, and Bill Callahan. Brad Childress, was, he was golden to me. He, he was an offensive mind guy. And uh, he helped me out a lot because he put me in situations that benefit me. So... He made sure that the plays that was called towards my side of the field benefited my speed and benefited me, which, I mean, which made it easy because it was designed for me to, you know, be able to be successful. And at Northern Arizona, Haynes also ended up running sprints for the track team. NFL scouts came out to watch him run there, too. Haynes was good enough in college to qualify for the Olympic trials after his senior year in 1988. I went to the trials and... uh, in my heat, I was in lane four. Carl Lewis was in lane five. Now, everybody know who Carl Lewis is. Carl Lewis was the world record holder at the time. He was the fastest man on the planet at the time. And he's in the lane right next to me. We lining up, gun goes off, pow. I take off, we all take off running. At 40 yards, I'm out front. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, wow, okay, some, you know, these guys, they're going to catch up. So about we get to, I shouldn't say yours, 40 meters. I'm out front. 60 meters, I feel them coming on me, but I'm still out front. So that's when I started thinking, I might be able to win this heat. We talking about just my heat. So 60 meters, I'm still out front, and I can feel them edging up. By the time I crossed the finish line, Carl Lewis was in his victory lap. But he had just went right by me and... He's got his hands up, he's celebrating, and I'm still trying to cross the finish line. Despite not going to the 88 Olympics, Haynes certainly left his mark at Northern Arizona. I do still hold some school records in track. Um, yes, and matter of fact, I got, uh, two years ago, I got inducted into Northern Arizona's Hall of Fame. And even though I was at the school only two seasons, it was because I was a track athlete and a football player. In the spring of 1988, it was time for the NFL draft. Haynes couldn't have a draft party. He was at a track meet away from school. The Atlanta Falcons selected him with the first pick of the seventh round. Haynes reported to Atlanta, to a team that had the worst record in the league the prior season. He was able to get on the field as a rookie, catching 13 passes and scoring four touchdowns. I had some success. I, was, I did not come in and start right away. I was the third down guy. So I played... You know, when, when, we, when we got down to third down and long or something like that, they'd send me in the game. And so my first and second touchdown came in the same game. And then I scored twice in other games. Things got interesting for Haynes and the Falcons, starting with the 1989 season, with the arrival of a future Hall of Famer. My sophomore season in the NFL, I my second year, my sophomore season, we drafted a guy by the name of Deion Sanders. Well, they didn't need Mike Haynes to return punts and kickoffs no more. We got Deion Sanders. So I had to find something else to do because now we got Deion. They don't need me to return kickoffs and punts. 
we were teammates for five years. And you want to talk about how somebody helps your career. You practice against the best for five years straight. When it gets to Sundays, man, I knew I wasn't going to face a guy as good as him. So being in practice with him, doing it over and over and over, that helped me out quite a bit. I learned how to beat Dion, which means that I can beat pretty much anybody else. And, you know, I always say he was faster than me, and he always say I was faster than him. And the next year, the Falcons traded for Andre Risen, a wide receiver that would appear in five Pro Bowls and pair with Haynes as a dangerous duo. Andre Risen, I mean, I learned so much from that dude. That Andre Risen was, he was a heck of a football player. He came in as a polished receiver. And he was one of those guys that, I mean, he did, he did stuff that, I'm like, I am stealing that move right there because that is so good. The 1990 season also brought coach Jerry Glanville to the Falcons, one of the most colorful coaches in NFL history. We got Jerry Glanville. And when Jerry Glanville came in, the excitement came with him. He was one of those guys that he was eccentric. He was one of those over-the-top dudes. I mean, he came in and he just wanted to make sure that everybody saw him and everybody saw our team. And that's the way he coached the game. For a receiver like me, I loved it because he was the type of dude that he, was, he wanted to throw the ball over the top first. Haynes capitalized with back-to-back seasons with 10 or more touchdowns. I signed a new contract, and I want to say it was for 1.7 over four years. I was somewhere in that neighborhood. And so, you know, my first six years, I played under two contracts. My first one was for that, and then my next one was... And so free agency hit in my fifth year. I became a free agent my sixth year. So when I became a free agent, I ended up being the highest paid wide receiver in the National Football League for one week. After the 1993 season, Haynes was set to become a free agent again, and teams around the league were competing for his services. Hall of Fame coach Bill Parcells brought Haynes up to visit the Patriots. But the snow-covered field was enough to squash any interest from a Southerner like Haynes. Looking for a warmer option, Haynes decides to return to New Orleans to play for the Saints. While it made it easier for his mom to keep watching her son play, Haynes still couldn't connect with his father. So I ended up choosing New Orleans to go to because I was comfortable with being home, playing for the hometown team. I mean, you can't get much bigger than that. My mom went to every game. Whether we played on the road, whether we played at home, she went to every game. Uh, my dad, and I told you he was just somebody who lived in our house, my dad never seen me play football live. Even though I grew up four miles from the Superdome. Four miles from the Superdome, I was a professional football player. He lived four miles from the Superdome and never came to a game. So go figure. I mean, but he'd never seen me play live. Another motivation for Haynes to select the Saints was a special woman he met just a few years earlier his now wife, Cookie. I met my wife in 1991. I was playing for the Falcons at the time. She was living in New Orleans, and I was, uh, I was on a trip playing Falcons against the Saints in basketball. In the off season, we played against other teams in basketball. I know it sounds crazy, but we had, a, we had uniforms and we'd be a team. The Falcons would play against the Saints in basketball. And, and most of them were charity games that they paid us for. I was down on a basketball trip when I met my wife. Um, if you let her it, I had my best year as a pro the year I met her. So she takes credit for that. 
she had a huge impact. I mean, she was, uh, she was the girl of my dreams. Haynes and Cookie had three children. The first two are girls, and the youngest is a son. Haynes has spent most of his time after football focused on his family. We had two daughters first. So my daughter's 22. Uh, she's the oldest one, Logan, and my other daughter's 20. My son is playing football now. My son's 12, and he's in his third year of football. If the one thing that I had to pass down to him is the kick and run. He's the fastest kid on his team by far. And I mean, I know I'm proud dad to say that, but he is, he, he is noticeably faster than everybody else. Haynes took on a role a few years ago with the North Georgia Touchdown Club, working with high school players in the Atlanta area. I love the fact that I can pass down as much knowledge as I can to the next generation of football players. And I started training kids. And I met a guy who actually started the touchdown club and he had asked me to come out and talk to the kids and help train them. So I would come in and speak at those camps and we kind of formed a partnership and left it all to me. So I just continued it. And I loved, I loved that the fact that I get the opportunity to work with the next generation of athletes. While there is no doubt that raw speed was a big reason Haynes made it to the league, speed alone would not have gotten him there or been enough for him to succeed. He always had a competitive streak and a strong will to win that came out in force once Haynes started playing football. I think that it's the element of competition for me. I've always been competitive at everything. I've always been competitive and it's the element of competition. And, um, I, you know, I always strive to be the best and I learned, I watched folks. And, you know, if, if coach gave a compliment to somebody who was doing something, the next time I got up to do it, I was going to do it like that because the coach gave a compliment. And I was, that's the right way to do it. And I've always been that way. I've been driven on just trying to get it right. And I, I really, really, after my freshman year, enjoyed it playing the game. It, it became fun for me. And uh, the more fun it was, the more I wanted to participate in it. So I started working out and I started trying to be good at doing things. And I spent a lot of time in the off season trying to hone my craft, trying to be good at uh, just the little things. And Haynes took motivation from a stacked wide receiver draft class in 1988. The first four receivers picked included two Hall of Famers and two perennial Pro Bowlers. Now, let me tell you who was in my draft class. Tim Brown, obviously, Michael Irvin, Sterling Sharp, um, a guy, Anthony Miller, and Aaron Cox. Those were the first-round draft picks. And I was the 16th receiver picked in the draft. You know, it's funny, I look at, you know, as, as competitive as I am, I look at stats from all the receivers in my draft class, and if you match my stats up against everybody else's, I'd be in the top 10. We asked Haynes to speculate how his career might have been different if his speed had been noticed in high school, and he'd ended up playing big-time college ball at one of the SEC powerhouse schools like LSU, Alabama, or Georgia. When I was in high school, coming out of high school, there was no way I could have competed at one of those schools. And because there was no way, if I'd have went to one of those schools, I'd have got swallowed up. There's no way I probably would have been a pro professional athlete. Because if I'd have went to a big school, I'd have probably end up in a, on the bench behind somebody who was better than I is and never got the chance to get on the field. So you never, you never know, but the journey that I took, it kind of helped me because those steps that I took was according to the level that I played. So um, 
Each year I got better and better and better and better until I was able to get drafted. As we reach the end of this incredible story, we asked Haynes to look back on his journey to beating the odds and making it to the NFL. You know, I've been, I've been really lucky with having people come into my life that helped me out quite a bit. And it's just not been that one person that just gradually, it's always been a series of people. I mean, most of the coaches, they, they help out the kids that, that play for him. He decided that, you know, I'm, I'm going to help this kid give him much, much of a chance as I can get. And then the head coach at the school pretty much took me in because when I didn't go home for breaks, Christmas and Thanksgiving, I went to my head coach's house. So he helped me and, and just, you know, there was a series of people in my life that helped me get through it. That is our story of Mike Haynes, 10-year NFL veteran and now head of the North Georgia Touchdown Club and member of the Athlete and Business Executive Group Beyond the Game Network. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Beat the Odds. If you did, please rate and comment on our show and please subscribe to our channel. You don't want to miss our next amazing episode.